getting better at their marriage, getting better at uh, just their relationships so they can come back here and serve you guys, uh, serve you guys and love on you guys well. Uh, so my name's Ruben. I'm here uh, to speak tonight and I'm really excited. You guys are in this series uh, in 1 John, all right? So if you have your Bible with you, if you have it on your phone, pull it up. Uh, we're going to go to 1 John chapter 3, and I think it's going to be up on the screen behind us. Um, but what you guys have been doing is you've been basically in this series that's been trying to answer the question of what does it look like to live your life as a Christian? How does it look to live your life as a Christian at school with your friends, surrounded by your teachers and, and your peers, and, and when you're at soccer or, or basketball or dance or hockey or all your clubs, whatever it is, how do I live my life as a Christian every single day of my life? How do I do it? Because it's not as easy as we think it is. It's not as easy as we think it is. It isn't just an automatic switch, it's work. Sometimes it's work to live your life as Christians because there's pressure around us. And so in chapter one, we, uh, you guys talked about uh, how you can live in the light and how you can live in the darkness. And over here we have light, all right? We have light over on this side and we have darkness over on this side. And then chapter two, it talks about uh, on this side, we have loving the things of the Father. And then on this side over here, we have loving things of the world. And then John, who writes this, he's going to go one more. He's going to go deeper and says, okay, on this side, we have practicing righteousness. And on this side, we have practicing sin, practicing lawlessness. All right. So let's read it and then uh, I'll pray and then we'll get going. Uh, verse one, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteousness. Whoever practice, makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this night that we can come together and we can worship you and we can praise you and we can jump around and we can, and we can yell and we can shout uh, that we have the opportunity to do that. Holy Spirit, I pray that you move in this place, that you hit all of our hearts and that you convict us of the sin that's in our life. Because as we're going to find out, we cannot continue to sin. We cannot practice sin and be in the family of God. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you convict us of that tonight and that we may change our life and turn around, repent, and follow you. In your precious name, Jesus, amen. All right, does anybody have their driver's license? Anybody have their driver's license? If you have your L, it counts. If you have your L, it counts. Yeah, woo woo, all right, okay. Who, who has their N? All right, yeah, okay. 
Is anybody going to get their L this year? Is anybody able to get their L this year? Nice. Not you, Seth. Okay. Moment of truth. For those of you who took the driver's test, did anybody fail their first time? Boom. Boom. I'm not alone. I failed my first time too. I failed my first time too. Something about having to signal when you change lanes. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I failed. I failed my first time uh, going to take my driver's test. And I was so choked. But my buddy, my buddy's name is Russell. And I've talked about him before. But he was my best friend in high school. But Russell was like a, Russell was a punk. Like, I hate it. Well, I didn't hate him, but he was like, oh, Russell, he just wouldn't let me, and when I, he wouldn't let me live anything down. So when I failed, when I failed my driver's test, here's the key. If you go, if you go to your driver's test, don't tell anybody you're going to go do it, all right? Because if you fail and people are expecting you to come back with your driver's license, you're like, oh, shoot, I'm so depressed right now. I, everybody knows I didn't, I didn't pass my driver's license. And so I told Russell, and he knew, and I failed, and he just beats me hard. He ripped into me. He made a bunch of jokes about the fact that I'm Asian and that I can't drive. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I went back. I went back to get my driver's license three months later and I was jacked. I was hyped. I was like, okay, I'm going to nail everything. I took some lessons. I had to take driving lessons, guys. I know. I took some lessons and parallel parking, nailed it. All right, I could do it all. Reverse park, nail it. Forward park, nail it. All right, I was pointing out hazards like, oh man, there's the tree over there and a kid could come running out of the street and you can hit him with your car. I was killing it. And I got to the end and the guy's like, you passed. And so I take my license and I go to see a bunch of my friends. They're all hanging out and I'm like, guys, yo, guys, I got my license. And Russell, ugh, he just won't even let me have one good moment. He comes and he's like, prove it. And so what do I do? I take out the yellow piece of paper because you get the yellow piece of paper, right? They don't actually give you your license. Yellow piece of paper and you're like, yo, I got it. But Russell, he just wouldn't let me, uh, he wouldn't let me live it down. He had to be like, prove it. Now, there's something about that, that phrase. There's something about those two words that what it does is it, it invites, it, it challenges you. Right? It's an invitation to challenge. It's like, okay, you say this, now prove it. All right? It's step up to the plate and prove it. And what we're going to see is in John chapter 3, John has, been, John has been laying out the groundwork in chapter 1 and 2, and he's going to get to chapter 3, all right, because he's going to say you can either live in the light or you can live in the dark because the false, the false teachers have come into the church, and this is what they say. They say that you can be a Christian, you can still be a Christian, you can hang out over here, and you can still do all the little things you did over here. That you can be a Christian and still look at the same things you looked at before. You can still be a Christian and still do the same things or say the same things you did before. And what John's going to go, he's going to get a no. He's going to say, you cannot have both the light and the darkness. You cannot have both uh, love of the things of the Father and love the things of the world. You cannot have both righteousness. You cannot have both your salvation and Hold on to your sin. And so John's going to go, all right, everybody on this side, there's a way to prove it. That there's proof. There's proof. If you say you're a Christian, there's a mark of what it means to be a Christian. There's proof. And so John's going John's to unpack that for us. But before we do that, we got we to gotta jump back to verse, uh, verse 1. 
All right, we're going to start in verse 1. And it says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. All right? Here's the key thing. We should be called children of God. Children are part of what? Family. Children are part of family. This means that there is a family of God to belong to. All right? There's a family of God that you are able to belong to, which means that there's also a family of God that you cannot belong to. That you can be in either belonging to the family of God or not belonging to the family of God. Now here's the thing, if you, and, and the thing is, is, it's very spiritual, it's very spiritual implications. You might be here and you might not be a Christian and you might be like, well, Reuben, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the things, I don't believe in spiritual things, I don't have, I can't take the faith. Maybe if you're a Christian, you've heard your friends say this, or you've heard people at school say this, or you've heard your family members say this, that, you know, that, being a Christian, that's really good for you, but it's not for me. You know, I'm not spiritual. I'm not religious. I can't do it. Here's what I have to say to that. Imagine, imagine this. If you, if you come in and you say there's no God, imagine you walk into a room, all right? And on the room, there's a table. And on the table, there's a quarter. We can make a ton of conclusions about, you know, the quarter. We can pick up the quarter and we can look at it. We can say, okay, it's new. It's, it's maybe it's a little old. It's rough. It's smooth. We can tell you, you can tell me what date is on it. You could, even, you could even say that the, the quarter is on the table, and you could move the quarter off, and you could say it would fall off the table. You could make a bunch of assumptions about the quarter on the table. What you cannot do, what you cannot do is make any assumptions or make any factual conclusions about whether somebody did or did not put it there. So if you are not a Christian, and you're here, and you're like, I can't take that leap of faith, Reuben. I can't. I can't believe what you believe. I believe in evolution and I believe in naturalism and I believe in, in you know, monkeys turning into mans. But if you could, let's say you could prove to me that monkeys turn into man. All you would be able to prove to me is that monkeys turn into man. All you'd be able to prove is that the quarter was on the table. You can't tell me by looking at the quarter that somebody put it there or somebody didn't. You are making the same leap of faith. Those who say they don't believe in God make the same leap of faith that those who say they do believe in God. So I don't know what camp you are in, whether you say you do believe in God or you don't. But whatever you say, it has vastly spiritual implications. So it's a spiritual issue. There's a family of God that you can belong to, and there's a family of God you cannot belong to. All right, so we got that first. Second thing that we need to get we need to get is, is this word uh, called. Now we need to hit this because John is going to, everything he's going to unpack has to be motivated through this first part here. And so he's going to say called. All right. So what it means when he says called is that uh, we were originally not called children of God. All right. So when he called us to children, like I got a couple, I, got, I know a couple of friends who they actually adopted a little baby boy and he's super cute. He's got these cheeks that you could just squeeze him. You could just squeeze him because he's so cute. And the thing about this boy is that what did he do? What role did he pay, play? What responsibility did he play in getting adopted? None. He didn't do anything. He might not even have known that he was getting adopted. He had no idea. The role is solely on the parents 
to do the adopting. The role is solely on the parents to reach down and actually do something, to make the first move. And so here's what John's saying. He's saying that God actually made the first move and he called us and he brought us into the family of God. And here's the thing. If you today consider yourself part of the family of God, if you would consider yourself a Christian, it means that you will always consider yourself a Christian. Because that little boy, he was adopted into, the, into that family. And now he's, you know, he changed his, his last name. He changed his birth certificate. Changed, he's going to change his driver's license. Everything he's going to have, he's going to identify with his new family, not the old. All right, and so, so, all, so all of us, we were originally born into, the, into a family that was not God's family. And what he did is he picked us out of this family and he brought us into his family. He picked us out of this family over here and he brought us into his family. And it wasn't any decision you made. It wasn't any prayer that you prayed. It was all on him. So, now that we are it part of the family, so if you consider yourself part of the family, we get to verse 6, which says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. What? No one who is... No one who abides in him, no one who calls himself part of the family keeps on sinning. That's pretty heavy. Now I need to clarify because clarity is important here because it does not mean, what this does not mean is that we don't sin. All right? Before John said in uh, chapter one, he says in verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Some of us, this is us. You know, we're walking around and we're like, we think we're, you know, we know some of these people. Maybe we're even friends with them. You know, they're like the goody douches. They don't think they do anything wrong ever. All right? Some, I know some of you guys are thinking about some of those people right now. And if you can't think of any people, then it's, it might be you. <laughs> Probably. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But here's the thing, we, there's this idea that if you, say, if you say that you're a Christian and you say that you don't sin, you say that you don't do anything wrong, that you're perfect, then you're deceiving yourself, you're lying. Because even as Christians, we sin. So that's not what John's saying when he says, if you're a part of the family of God, you don't sin. What he's saying is, he uses this word, he uses this word uh, practice, all right? So we're going to read this again. He says, he says, uh, starting in verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. We know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning either has seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's deeds or for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot be, keep on sinning because he has been born of God. 
By this is it evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. The key word is practice. All right? Does anybody ever, anybody here play sports or dance or play piano or what? Any, do, do anything, do anything where you have to practice, right? What is practice? Practice is where you just do it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until it becomes second nature to you. All right? Now, Like I said before, I'm Asian, all right? I'm half Asian. My mom is like four feet tall. She's a shiny, little Chinese woman. She's a freaking firecracker, all right? But she is strict. Like, she is strict. When she made rules, she made rules, and I could not break them, all right? So, this is going to be a bit of a stereotype, um, but uh, I'm actually pretty good at math. No, no, no joke. Like, I'm actually pretty, pretty good at math. Like, took calculus in university. Like, I'm good at math. And the reason, the reason I'm so good at math is because, is because um, there were uh, a, a couple of us, like, individuals, all right? And we would uh, convene uh, or gather together uh, in a place outside of school, and we would attempt to uh, solve or um, answer or complete puzzles of the numerical nature. I was in math club. It's a math club. And I literally after, oh man, this is so embarrassing. After school, every single day, I had to do math equations. That, that was what I did. People went and they played soccer. People went and played baseball. People went to dance. People went home and watched TV. I went home to do math. All right? And so, and so I would just do it over and over and over and over again. And no joke, my mom, my mom would not let me eat dinner unless I finished all my math. No joke. I almost starved because I couldn't get long division. But, that, but then it all became second nature. It all became second nature to me. And now I can just, I can tell you the square root of 4,823. No, why would I do that? But it's this idea of doing it over and over and over and over again. And it's this, it's this word practice that John's using to, to say, okay, our sin we continue to do it. It's ongoing. It's over and over and over and over again. It's this word called habitual. Can you guys say habitual? Okay, he's talking about habitual sin. All right, I'll describe it this way. It's any sin that is continual or ongoing that we have no intention of stopping. Any sin that is continual or ongoing that we have no intention of stopping. So my question for you is, right now, what sin is that in your life? Right now, in your life, what is that sin that God has put in your heart? Is it what you did this past weekend? Is it something you did last night with your boyfriend or girlfriend? 
Is it something you said behind somebody's back? Is it something you said to your parents? Is it, is it maybe your anxieties? Is it maybe trying to find your identity in, in, in who you are at school? What is the sin in your life that God is putting on your heart that is habitual, that is continual, that is ongoing? Because here's what he's saying. He's, he's saying that you can't, be, you can't be part of the family of God and still have that sin. Maybe you're sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you're looking at porn and you can't stop. Maybe you talk about guys and girls behind their back because it makes you feel good. What is that thing? Maybe you have anxiety every day of your life and you can't get rid of it. And that's still considered sin because when we have anxiety, what we do is, is we're saying, I can control my life, not God. And so you try and wrestle control away from him. And so sin or anxiety can be considered habitual, ongoing sin. What is that sin that's in your life right now that God is convicting you about? And you might say, well, Reuben, I can't get rid of that sin. I tried. I tried, I tried to get rid of that sin. Reuben, you have no idea how hard it is. You have no idea how hard it is to not take that drink at that party. You have no idea how hard it is to not take a hit. You have no idea how hard it is to not sleep with my boyfriend or my girlfriend. You have no idea what he's going to say about me if I don't. You have no idea what all my friends are going to say about me if I don't sleep with her. You have no idea, Ruben, what it's like to live in anxiety every single day of your life. You have no idea how hard it is to stop looking at porn. You have no idea how, how good it makes me feel when boys want to see naked pictures of myself. You have no idea, Ruben, how hard it is, and I can't stop it. And you're right. I might know exactly, I might not know how hard it is. But here's what I do know is that in verse 5, it says that he appeared in order to take away sin, and in him there is no sin. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He broke the hold of sin in our life. Here's the thing. If you have that sin that God's put in your heart, and you're doing it over and over and over and over again, and you can't get rid of it, maybe you don't want to get rid of it. You cannot have that sin and call yourself a Christian. That's what John's saying. You cannot hold on to your sin over here and continue to do it without stopping and call yourself part of the family of God. Call yourself a Christian. And you might say, well, John's being a little harsh here, man. Like, seriously. Like, we all got stuff. And that's the thing. You're right. We all have habitual sin in our life. The question is, what are you going to do about it? We all have sin in our life. 
The question is, what are you going to do about it? Because you can break the hold that sin has over you. You can break the hold, the pattern of sin, the ongoing continual pattern of sin. Because what happened was Jesus came down to earth, who is God, and he lived a perfect life. And a history of people who sinned, who were born into the family of the devil, a history of people who were sinned, all along history was broken when Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. And then he took our sin and he died with it, burying it in the ground. And then he rose again three days later. See, he broke the pattern. He broke the pattern of all the people sinning. He has the power to do that. And so the question is, do you even want to get rid of your sin? Because if you don't, do not call yourself part of the family of God. Would you even be willing to get rid of that sin? And if you have no intention of stopping, this is what John says in verse 10. It says, By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. See, what are the false teachers? False teachers are coming in. They're telling you, you can live your life exactly how you did before with your addictions, with sleeping with your boyfriend or sleeping with your girlfriend or uh, getting drunk and high on the weekend. You can do all of that. You can still be a Christian. But those are the false teachers. And John's saying, no, you cannot do that. You cannot keep, you cannot live in this family and keep your sin on the side. And if you have no intention of stopping, you cannot be called, you cannot be saying that you're practicing righteousness. But what happens is we get stuck in our sin. I'm not just saying this to you. I'm saying this to me. I'm saying this to the leaders, to the band. I'm saying this to everybody because we all deal with this. We get stuck in our sin. So let me describe it this way. Uh, has anybody been paintballing before? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Cool. I went paintballing this past week, and uh, it's, it's all right. I mean, like, I've been paintballing a few times, so I'm not going to be surprised by anything. I know exactly what to expect, right? You just run around a freaking field and you shoot each other, right? Here's the thing. Every time I go... And I don't know if this is the same with you if you ever went paintballing. Maybe this person is you. There's always like the group of like the hardcores who like, yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. They're like dressed in camo and they're like got pads on. They like got their own, they bought their own paintball gun. I'm like, there's always the hardcores there. And then I'm standing over here in like my overalls, right? With this gun that I can barely even lift and I'm freaking. And so, and so what happens is we all, we all get ready to go and we're, all, we're going out and, and uh, these, these people are like so hardcore that as soon as we get in, they're like, oh yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do that and you're gonna flank there and you're gonna go up the hill and you're gonna shoot down and I'm gonna come on there. And I'm like, I'm just trying not to get hit. These, they're like, 
and, and you notice they're getting more intense and they're talking and they're just talking about all this stuff. And then you start to realize, like, they, these guys are a little crazy. Like, normal people have hobbies like soccer or dance or collecting coins, right? Like, I'll even take that one. But these people, you're kind of like, they're so intense, you're like, these guys are kind of crazy. And so we're going out, and of course, thank you, Jesus, of course, by God's grace, he puts all of the good guys on the other team. And so they all go to the other side, and the guy's like, go. And so I find, I'm like, I'm going to play it safe, and I, I kind of crouch behind this <clears throat> piece of plywood. And I'm like, I got this. I'm just going to ha hang out here the whole day. And I may pop my head up and, you know, do a little thing. And, uh, and uh, I got my head up, and I see another guy. And uh, while I'm looking... All of a sudden, I hear, right here, and so I'm like, oh, crap, and so I, I duck down, and as soon as I go put my head up, and say, bah, bah, bah. and that's the, sound, that's the sound it makes, all right? That's the sound it makes, and then I'm standing behind that piece of plywood, and then it's just bah, 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 the whole time, and I, that's when I realized that I hate being shot at, and I'm like, this is the worst, but I'm stuck. I'm literally frozen, and my feet are in mud. I can't even move. I'm frozen out of fear. And it's just like, I'm crouching, and my friends are like 15 feet away, and they see me, and I'm like, and I'm, I'm literally, I'm freaking out. And so my friends are about, yeah, my friends are about 15 feet away, and they're like, come there. Like, come over here. I'm like, no! I'm not doing, do you, do you not, you not hear that? I'm not going over there. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. While I'm here, I'm stuck. I'm being berated by these paintballs. But if I only stepped out and moved out into the open, would I know that my boys would protect me? Right? They give me cover fire. They protect me, and then I would have the freedom to roam around and start going ape on everybody. But here's the thing. I couldn't move. I'm stuck. I'm frozen. I'm stuck in this continual pattern of bah, 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 and no, I'm not going to move, and, bah, 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 and no, I'm not going to move, and I don't want to move anywhere. I'm stuck in this pattern. And here's the thing. All of that aside, with our sin, sometimes we get stuck in a pattern. And we can't break it. We can't get out of it. But the only way that we get out of our habitual sin is by getting it into the open so we can feel freedom. That's the only way we can defeat, we can break the hold out of the things that, that are holding us dead, that are, that are shooting at us. The sin that holds us down. The thing that God's putting on your heart right now that you can't break. And it gets you stuck. And you feel like that you have no connection with God. You feel like you can't pray to him because you're stuck in your sin. You feel like he doesn't love you sometimes because how could he love somebody who does these things? You're stuck in this sin, and the only way to defeat your sin 
is to break the hold that it has on you. Because what happens is when we sin, we feel, what happens, we feel guilt. And the devil uses that guilt. He uses that guilt to hold it over us, to keep us stuck. But when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, he broke that pattern of sin in our life so that we can be free to now go, get it out in the open, and move around in freedom. And here is where John brings it all together, all right? I'm going to end right here. Here's where John brings it all together. Chapter 1, we talked about light, and we talked about dark. Chapter 2, we talked about things of the Father, things of the world. Chapter 3, we talked about practice of righteousness and practice of sinning. All right, we have practice of sinning over here. And the flip side of that is the practice of righteousness that he talks about in verse 10. He says, it is, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. If you do not practice righteousness, you're not of God. So how do you practice righteousness? Okay? Chapter 1, light. When light comes into an area, what does it do? It shines it and it exposes everything. It exposes what's in the darkness. So now in your life, you can see what are the things in your life that are the family of God and what are the things of your life that are the things of the world that you're holding on to in the world, your behaviors, your attitude, your sin that you want to keep so much. And that practice, that habit, the only way to get out of it is to expose it and cut it out of your life. The only way to break the hold of sin in your life is, is to expose it, is to, is to confess it. Now, that's a really heavy word. Confess is a really heavy word. But here's what I want to encourage you. This place, it's, it's safe. Your leaders... Your friends, they love you. This place is safe. And so I would encourage you, if you feel led to do this, you have people around you. There's no condemnation in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ for those, or there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are people around here that love you because we've all got the same thing. You've got sin. I've got sin. No one is better than the other. We're all on the same playing field. We all have the grace that God has given us. And the only way to experience that grace, to experience the freedom of being free from your sin, is to expose it, to get it out into the open. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you died on the cross for our sin that we hold on to. Thank you that you broke the pattern of history of people sinning so that we could have the freedom to live our life without any condemnation. God, I pray for those uh, who have been convicted tonight about a sin in their life, about a habitual sin that they would confess it and cut it out. 
that they would confess it and repent, turn away from their sin and turn towards you. I pray, this, I pray that we would feel the love that you poured out on us through the cross and that that would motivate us that if we are in the family of God, if we are in the light, if we love the things of the Father, that we would break our practice of sin and by doing so, practice righteousness. In your precious name, Jesus, amen.